The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We are back. Welcome to the Early Wedge presented by BetMGM. I am your host, EC, a.k.a. Eric Cohen. Make sure to like this video and subscribe if you haven't already to the Sportsline YouTube page. A lot of good things we're doing now and a lot of good things on the way, but let us get right into it. It is the Farmers Insurance Open, one of my favorite tournaments of the year at the great Torrey Pines in the San Diego area. Let's bring in the stars of the show and you might recognize them. It is the host of the Early Edge every morning. You can find him at 10 a.m. Eastern, the counselor and one of the greatest golf betters on the planet. And it's it's true. Counselor C. Najad, great to see you. And of course, the great golf writer from CBS Sports. And I actually was saying this before the show that I had been reading his stuff for years before even he started working at CBS Sports. He is a he's a great mind in the, in the realm of golf. Patrick McDonald, great to have you both on. Great to be on with you guys uh, this year. Patrick, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to throw a curveball. So we had an amateur, uh, Nick Dunlap from Alabama, win this tournament uh, last week at at the Amex in, in the Palm Springs area. But Sam Burns pulled a me on the golf course. He went double double to finish. Let's be honest here. You cannot bet Sam Burns until he wins again, right? Like after what you saw, we're done betting Sam Burns, even though he's not in this week. Yeah, you certainly don't want to bet him this week. I'll go that far. But <laughs> you see, we, we talk about the pressure of an amateur uh-huh. winning on the PGA Tour. You know what I think is even more pressure? Being mm-hmm. the guy trying not to lose to the amateur on the PGA Tour, the oh, five-time winner, the Ryder Cup winner, the guy who's been there, done that. And so I understand the hate or, or the disdain for Sam Burns following the double-double finish. But if you get him in that type of field again, I've been calling him Gen Pop, the uh, bigger fields where he's thrived throughout his career. You get him 40, 50 to 1, that's his sweet sweet spot. And he typically closes. I think it was just a, a bit of an anomaly. Counselor, when you look at a guy like Nick Dunlap, um, great win for him. I mean, clutch, as Patrick said. Is this a guy, If first of all, if you were him, would you turn pro immediately? Secondly, is he bettable the rest of the year? Or are we looking at this as a fluke result? Well, so here's the thing. When you're talking about the American Express and, and some of these courses that tend to be like super birdie fests, some of these guys can sneak in and, and capture the top spot, especially when guys like Sam Burns double down the stretch. So, no, I don't think he's anybody. I mean, as far as turning pro, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. Like, that's probably a better question for Patrick. I don't know exactly what's at top of mind for a sophomore in college right now in terms of like, I mean, he he got his win under his belt. 
I mean, obviously he took this week off. He, he was in the field, but as far as the other side of it, I mean, that's, yeah, it's a tough question. I, I think Dunlap, we're not going to see him on the radar much the rest of this the year. It's just my guess and on these tougher courses, even on the, on the layups. I just don't think that's going to happen again this year, but I do think the future is promising for him. Patrick, take the cash if you're Dunlap, or do you want to keep playing for free? I, I think you have to turn pro because the best area to learn, if you want to learn as a professional golfer who you are, it's top-tier PGA Tour events. And he has a ticket to all eight of them, the Players' Championship. He's already in the Masters. He's in the PGA Championship now. And so most of these guys coming out of college, you got to go through mini tour. you got a Monday Q. you got to go through Corn Ferry Tour. It sucks. It's tough. You got to fire low 60s every single time you're out there. And he's bypassed all of that because of this win. So I think you have to go. Yeah. Well, he pulled out of the Farmers Insurance Open. And let's start talking about this weekend's tournament. It's actually strange. And the reason we're doing this show on a Monday night, because the tournament starts on Wednesday, which is bizarre. It's the only one they do uh, it this way because of the NFC and AFC championship games. And that's fine. I get it. You know, they don't want to go up against those. See, let's talk about your first storyline that you uh, are are looking at this weekend in San Diego. Tell us what it is and why. Well, let me lead with this. I mean, I'm first of all, credit to the PGA Tour for acknowledging the AFC and NFC championship are are going to just dominate the landscape on Sunday. So, you know, that this Wednesday start, it absolutely makes sense to me. Uh, Good for the PGA for, again, acknowledging it. I mean, this is not the first year that they've done this. I will say this, though, in light of it being earlier, you would think the sports books would oblige with a full set of first round leaders, matchups and things like that. Don't worry. We have bets on this show to give you, but they're a little late on the trigger here. And I'm I'm a little disappointed. It's not like it's a a bevy of college basketball games tonight, as you know, EC or NBA games like they've got the the man and woman power to to get some of these lines out there. So that's my admonishment of the sports books. But my storyline is this. I mean, we talked about Sam Burns. We talked about Nick Dunlap. We have a few big-time heavy hitters in this field. I mean, from Xander Schauffele to Patrick Cantlay, uh, Sung J.M. is in this field, Jason Day, who's done well here. But I'm really curious to see if some of these young guns that people have had their eye on for quite some time now, 6, 12 months, guys like Min Woo Lee, guys like Ludwig Aberg, uh, I know I'm potentially pronouncing that wrong, but I'm still the jury's still out on how to pronounce Aberg Obear. I'm not so sure. So here's the thing. I think these two guys can really make a name for themselves on a course like this that's extremely challenging. That let's be honest, once you get to like the 70 to one and longer, like a lot of those guys can't compete on a course like this, particularly the South course, which will be three of the four rounds here. And the long and short of it is. If one of these guys emerges, especially when you have a couple of these guys going to live like John Rahm, of course, who, who's the most recent defector here. I mean, I think one of these guys could really put themselves on the map in a really huge way by taking down this tournament. And honestly, I think they're both live to win this tournament. Patrick, as far as your storyline, there's a theme of certain players that you're kind of relying on this week. What is it and why? Yeah, course history tends to be pretty sticky around Torrey Pines, and it really stems from California Connection. I know C and I last year hit on Max Homa. You got, there's a few rules in golf betting, right? One of them is bet Max Homa in the state of California. Four out of four of his wins are in the state of California. He goes for the defense this week. But you also have guys like Sahith Thigala, who won the Fortnite Championship. He could follow in the same path as Max Homa, winning in Napa and then winning here in San Diego. And then guys like Xander Shoffley, who grew up around these parts, has plenty of course history. He struggled out of the gate in his professional career at Torrey Pines, starting to get it 
get it going now. And Patrick Cantlay, who really doesn't have much course history here, a couple missed cuts, hasn't finished inside the top 50, and who I think, looking back on it, should have won the 2021 U.S. Open. No disrespect to John Rahm, but Colin Morikawa, he played as good as he had that entire week, missed a lot of short putts, was in the mix last year as well at the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, he, he's someone who I think could go very well this week, and they all have ties to the state of California. You know, I just uh, throwing out all my notes from later in the show because I think you just uh, mentioned everything that I was going to say about a few of my outright picks that were getting to later in the show. Well, so I'm glad you got it. Listen, we're on the same angles. And by the way, if you're a Sportsline member, between the four of us, or excuse me, between the three of us, we put out four articles a week. Patrick has two, Sia has one, and I have one. So check out sportsline.com. If you're not a member, hit me up on uh, on X or Twitter, and I'll see if I can get you the best deal that we can. How about that? So check that out, sportsline.com. A lot of great content from these guys, uh, myself, M Squared, and more. So check that out, sportsline.com. All right, here's my uh, storyline to watch this week. Can the run of triple-digit winners continue? Let's hope not, because if it does, I'm going to lose. Uh, Chris Kirk at 200-1. to No, I wasn't playing that in Hawaii. Grayson Murray, absolutely I wasn't playing that. And Nick Dunlap, there was one guy, I think, that had a $300 win ticket on him. Way smarter than I am. Why would you bet $300 on Nick Dunlap to win? I wish I had that kind of money. But congratulations to him. If we get that again, I mean, I have a couple of plus 110s that I put in my article, but or plus one plus 110 to, or 110 to 1, whatever it is. If that happens, I'm losing. Let's hope we get some normal priced winners here. That's what I'm looking forward to this week. But. Let's start off first, before we get to our outrights and our finishing positions, FRLs and matchups, we'll talk a little bit about those later in the show, even though no lines are out yet. But let's get to DFS picks. And I'll start with you, Patrick. I actually disagree with your fade, but you have some interesting prices or, or interesting players you want to throw in your lineups. Let's see what you got. Yeah, easy. I typically go to the discount rack. Uh, for this show and like DFS, yeah. right? I, I like guys at the top. Like I said, I'm pretty fond of Akala Morikawa this week. Uh, but in that mid-range, if you want to save some money, get some flexibility in your lineups, I'm kind of buying Daniel Berger. I know it was his first start in 18 months last week, but in his two rounds at the stadium course, ranked inside the top 15, both off the tee and approach, Torrey Pines has the highest three-putt percentage on the PGA Tour. These greens are bumpy. They're, they're hard to read, a lot of variance there, and that's where he struggled last week. So you get him, he finished top 20 in this tournament a couple years back. I think this is a great chance to buy him. I don't think people will be rushing to get in on Daniel Berger this week. So I like him at 8,100. Ryan Fox is a DP World Tour player coming over this year with the PGA Tour card, won the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth, long off the tee. Irons are very uh, up and down, great short game, great putter, but he's played well at hard, difficult golf courses like Bay Hill, like Oak Hill, uh, top 25 in each of those tournaments. So I think I'm willing to take a flyer on him at 7,500. Michael Kim, graduate of Torrey Pines High School, off that T6 last week, California kid, Cal Bear, playing some great golf. He's going to have to drive the golf ball well. That tends to be his weak spot. You tend to like good drivers of the golf ball here. But I think at 7,300, you're willing to risk it. And I said good drivers of the golf ball. Ludwig Bear, I'm fading him at 9,700. He had a great FedEx Cup fall, great Ryder Cup. But he struggled during the Hawaii swing. I think you could make the case that he was the biggest loser of those two events, to tell you the truth. And off the tee, took a little step back. Iron play, a little step back. 
And for me, I just need to see it on a big boy course. He hasn't played a big boy golf course in his PGA Tour career yet. He's been all birdie fest all the times. If he plays well this week, I think it's a buy sign for major championships in the future. But for now, I'm just a little hesitant. Yeah, the thing about a bear, uh, a bear how, do, how do you pronounce that I mean, again? Help, yeah, help us out it's here. Pronounced Ludwig. Let's just do yeah. that. Well, that's yeah, a good call, counselor. We'll go with Ludwig. <laughs> the thing I like about him, listen, the the driving of the golf ball when he's on, he's arguably one of the best guys to bet or guys off the tee in terms of stats. The, the putting comes and goes. We know that. The problem is no course history here, and I think that's a few of your guys there, Ryan Fox. I don't think there's course history there. I like it with Berger. It's moderate. Michael Kim is a local guy, so I get that. But when it comes to course history, Counselor, you're fading a player that actually would be my number one fade as well this week. Why do you not like Patrick Cantlay? Well, certainly the course history isn't great. And and Patrick spoke to Patrick uh, McDonald, not Patrick Cantlay, spoke to that about a few minutes ago. I mean, here's the thing. Like, like, first of all, I tend to get Patrick Cantley wrong. I think a lot of people say that about Patrick Cantley. Sometimes they say it about Xander Shoffley, too. I wasn't exactly inspired by what Patrick Cantley's performance was last week either. And when I look at the guys at the top, listen, I, I can't pretend to like everybody, right? So I look at the guys at the top, and I see Colin Morikawa. I see Xander Shoffley. I, I see Max Homa, and I see Patrick Cantley. And out of those four, Patrick Cantley is going to be the short straw every single time. So especially right now, considering course history and recent form i just like the other guys better so it's not that i think patrick cantley will necessarily have a terrible tournament but given that he'll be i mean at least somewhat popular because he's at the top of the board and he has the california ties i just i'm not i'm not trying to get into that i'd rather play a different popular guy at the top or fade all the popular guys at the top altogether so that's why i'm fading patrick cantley I saw you kind of like shaking your head a little bit uh, about Ludwig. We'll get into him a little bit later. As far as course history is concerned, Minwoo Lee's a guy I like. He doesn't have course history either. I'm, you know, I'm starting to think unless it's a court, like, and I understand, like, this is a course where course history probably does matter relative to other courses, but I'm starting to sort of fade when I factor things in, I'm not factoring in that I'm not factoring that in as much as I was, let's say, two, three years ago when I was handicapping tournaments, because there's just so much more information out there for everybody with their caddies and just with the general knowledge that you can ascertain and to get to the course early and just the practice rounds. There's so much there that I'm just not super intimidated by a guy not actually playing a competitive round on the course. So that's part of the reason I like Min Woo Lee. Listen, the one knock on Min Woo Lee, and it's a it's a pretty legitimate knock, is his approach play. Like the approach play has not been very good, but this guy absolutely bombs it. His short game is very good as well. Around the green game is going to come into play here. He, just like Ludwig, I think these are guys that can capture like the, the, the top prize here. I think these are guys that can win this tournament, especially when you don't have guys like Scotty Scheffler or John Rahm in the tournament. I, I think I'm not going to be surprised if either of these guys are at the top on Sundays. Now we go down the board sort of to, the, to that discount rack. This is a guy that I don't think anybody's going to play. I could be wrong. It's early. But I think when you look at this mid-7K range, you might move to like Ryan Fox but or Michael Kim. Like there's a lot of guys that are going to be relatively popular for good reason. By the way, I like Fox and Michael Kim. Grio, when you look at his recent form, it's, it's not very good. And when you look at his course history, it's not very good either. But when you dive into the numbers a little bit more, his ball striking on this course has been very, very good. Usually he's missing cuts at, at this uh, tournament because of either around the green game or, or, or the putter. Now, the putter is starting to come along. And for the record, while his approach play has been bad as of late, he did gain approach 
uh, just uh, the last tournament he played. So I think Guido's in a position where because the putter is a little bit improved and because around the green play can be a little finicky, especially when we're talking about a ball striker who may not be able, may not need the around the green game quite as much. I think Rio is just an interesting value at 7,500. That's going to be relatively contrarian. And then I'll go fast through this last one. Joseph Bramlett has a really good history here for a guy named Joseph Bramlett. I mean, he, he's a guy that's making cuts here. Long iron play is good. Um, putter can, can leave a little bit to be desired, but the around the green game is okay. I think Joseph Bramlett is a really good value play in the 6K range. Very good picks there. One that I would throw in here at 7,500, Rio uh, how do you, Patrick, help me with that pronunciation there. EC, just just off by your head. Just call him Rio. <laughs> Rio, 21-year-old uh, stud golfer, gained 10 strokes putting combined in the last two weeks. Look for him in the 7,500 range and don't try to pronounce his last name. Got to point that out. All right, totally random question here. Patrick, what's your handicap on, a, on the golf course? I'm a scratch golfer. Are you really? I am. All right, so uh, congratulations. I am definitely not in that, in that <laughs> realm. Uh, when you play a golf course, are there certain courses that fit your eye better than others? Yeah, just, I mean, I'm generally pretty wild off the tee. So you put me on a tight, traditional, classical golf course, and you take the driver out of my hand, I tend to get handcuffed a little bit. All right, so you're like Jordan Speak, basically. Something. Yeah, like but, uh, I'm. I think I get like words as I get closer to the green. All right, so here's why I asked that. So the counselor mentioned that course history to him is becoming less of a factor. But you just mentioned for your personal game, certain courses fit your eye. How do you factor in course history just in terms of picking winners and what and DFS, et cetera, for this show? Well, it's two different questions. It's course history and course fit. And someone like Min Woo Lee, who doesn't have course history, is a great course fit. You want someone who's a great driver of the golf ball, can get up and down when you need them to, and can spike with the iron play. That's Min Woo Lee to a tee. That's Ryan Fox as well. Uh, course history-wise, you have someone like Tony Finau, who's also happens to be a great course fit, who has uh, like nine top 25s and 10 appearances or something like that. He's ridiculous around this place. So it's about kind of balancing course fit and course history a little bit. So I guess this kind of leads into counselor when you're when you're picking your you know your outrights for this week or your your matchups etc. How do you factor like what percentage is course fit? What percentage is course history? And is there another metric that you can you know share with everyone out there that you would recommend they look at as well when they're doing their own due diligence? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, I, I certainly don't allocate a percentage because I don't run models. Like one of the things I'm I'm kind of prideful of, and I think models are fine, is that I'm just looking at the raw data and, and I'm going back from a recency standpoint or a long form standpoint. I'm going back as far as I, I personally see fit for that tournament. So in terms of course fit, like that's really important to me. So what I know the course calls for, what I think the course calls for, I'm going to look at the data and the strokes gain metrics that that are consistent with that. And I'm I'm specifically looking for trends, not necessarily long-term trends, but in the example of Emiliano Grillo, listen, I, I know he's a good ball striker. I know he hasn't been a good ball striker lately, but because I know traditionally he's a good ball striker, I know he's been good off the tee. I know that he actually gained for once on approach the last time he played a tournament. And I also know if you narrow his, his driving distance, uh, to just kind of like the last like 20 rounds instead of like long form, like the last 50 rounds, he's actually gaining with the driver. So those are all promising things to me when I see that also he's a guy that's been a really good ball striker on this course. So it's always a case by case basis for me. I'm looking for things that stand out 
uh, from from some players that are that are maybe getting ignored, especially from a DFS analysis. That's what I'm looking for. I want to thank uh, Silent Assassin three thirteen in the chat who pronounces Rio Hisasun. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Checks in the mail. All right, let's hear from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, guys, let's talk about uh, players that we might want to buy. I know we're not at the FRL. Those aren't out yet. They probably will be out in the morning. See you on the morning show. I'm sure you'll give out plenty uh, mm-hmm. come Wednesday morning. Are there a couple players that you're looking at at maybe uh, upper double-digit odds or triple-digit odds that might be worth a price uh, on on Wednesday? Yeah, they might not be all like super long odds, uh, specifically for this course, even though it's first round leader. So it does like lend itself to randomness. And I will say this, I'll I'll have some picks for the early edge, of course, and and I'll have an article that it might be a little shorter than it normally is this week because of the timing of everything. But I'll have picks in my Sportsline article, too. So here are some players that I've kind of highlighted that I think are going out at the right time. We just don't have odds for them yet. So they're not necessarily like my definitive picks. But just to give you an idea of some of the some of the guys that I'm considering, Steven Yeager. Uh, Michael Kim, who's already come up in this show a couple times, Joseph Bramlett, Colin Morikawa, Sepp Strocker. Those are some initial names. There's other names on this list, like Ryan Fox is on this list. I'm going to have to narrow it down to four or five names. But those are some of the names that I'm interested in that I think can spike for a first round and also are pretty good course fits. Not necessarily guys that I think can win this tournament, like Taylor Pendrith, I don't think can win this tournament. Do I think he can spike for 18 holes? I do think that's possible. Same with Sepp Straka. Although Sepp Straka has shown us last year that he can actually close tournaments down, but he is really good from a showdown standpoint and from a flash for 18 hole standpoint, Sepp Straka is pretty much the poster boy for that. I was going to try Rio's name again as my as my FRL long shot. Hisasune, something... I'm done with that. All right, Patrick, when it comes to picking a first-round leader, are you looking at guys that are just playing the easier north course, or would you take a chance on some that are starting out on the south? Well, I assume there's going to be two markets, right? Yeah. One for the north course, one for the south course. There will be. But just to echo, see, uh, I mean, Colin Morikawa has been a first-round fiend. In 2023, mm-hmm. he was he like led the tour in round one scoring. He led after, after round one at the Players' Championship. Uh, you saw what he did at the tour championship as well. He led after that coming from 10 strokes back even, and he had a great start at the century. I think he was nine under one off the pace after 18 holes. So Colin Morikawa, it's going to be a short price, right? If we get him to 20 to one, that'd be very, very nice. I doubt it gets that far, but he's the one, the one name I have circled as well. Give me one other player. I'll start with you, Patrick, on this one. One other player when it comes to matchups, not out yet, once again, that you are looking to buy and one player that you are looking to fade in a particular matchup. 
Yeah, I think someone I'm I'm looking to buy is probably Tony Fino. I, I think this is a great chance to get in early a little bit. He's been pretty quiet since his win at the Mexico Open in April, but the course history is obviously there. He gained in all aspects in his two rounds at the stadium course last week. Uh, so I think he's someone, his floor is just so high that he, he's a good choice in matchups. And then someone I'm, I'm willing to fade is Ludwig, to tell you the truth. I, I just, I need to see it from him. I think he's overpriced just given what he did in the FedEx Cup fall against guys like Eric Cole and Mackenzie Hughes. I know the big, big dogs aren't here, but there's still a lot of big dogs here. And I still need to see him kind of prove it to me. See, you give me all the fades on Patrick Cantlay, just what you had in your DFS uh, breakdown. Are there, is there anyone else that you would be your major fade and then maybe a, a buy this week? I'll give you a buy. You know, this is an interesting name kind of down the board. Let me share something with you. This is kind of off the record because, and here's why. When I say off the record, it's kind of funny, right? We've had like so many pre-show, by the way, we had like a lot of like court related uh, talk in terms of like our jargon. And there was somebody in the chat who mentioned something like jury duty. I think it was Mark Buckholtz. You were in jury duty this morning. That's why you missed the show. Uh, For those of you that don't know, that's near and dear to my heart. I practiced law as a trial attorney for 13 years. That's just me like touting myself. Sorry about that. But I thought it was, I thought it was topical here's the thing off the record i say off the record because not all the matchups are out so i don't want to give a match i tend to not want to give a matchup out i mean it's kind of unprecedented when all the matchups aren't out like we don't have head-to-heads we have round one three balls and we have some tournament three balls maybe not all of them but we have some tournament three balls but we don't have any round one head-to-heads and we don't have any tournament head-to-head matchups which is a little frustrating but this is where we're at here's a guy that i'm I'm looking for he doesn't necessarily have the course history we're looking for But I do think he has the other metrics that we're looking for. I'm going to give you a round one three ball. And I actually really like this. I'll probably give it out as an official play. Not definitely. I got to look into it a little bit more. I'll probably give it out as an official play either tomorrow morning or Wednesday morning. Because when we do the early edge Wednesday morning, I don't think the tournament will have started yet on the West Coast. Steven Yeager, plus 105 in a three ball. This is a round one three ball against Ben Martin and Hayden Buckley. For the record, Ben Martin plus 210, Hayden Buckley plus 250. I think Steven Yeager is easily the greater of those two. And when we get to these harder courses, I think that's when we see the cream sort of rise to the top here. And for the record, from a course history standpoint, I don't think Buckley and Martin have much uh, to speak to. Now, Steven Yeager doesn't have much to speak to either, but he's the far superior player. So as far as a round one three ball, don't mind that one at all. As far as a fade, uh, it's a good question. I mean, Patrick Cantley, I don't know that I'm like looking to fade him necessarily. I would probably look at maybe Eric Cole to maybe have a, a bad tournament. Maybe this isn't the best setup for Eric Cole. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, I'm always kind of down to fade him because he's just been kind of down with this game. Those are a couple guys I probably have my, my eye on. And don't forget Wednesday morning, obviously, I would assume, or maybe even tomorrow on the early edge, you'll be giving them out. I know the chat rooms blow up. When you give out your picks, people are so excited because you are absolute money when it comes to just about everything uh, golf. So we appreciate uh, we appreciate that. And it's just too bad the lines are not out early. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous that we're what less than uh, thirty six hours away from teeing off or thereabouts, and we don't have lines. Uh, what are we doing here, PGA here? All right, yeah. uh, I want to talk about finishing positions, and we'll pull up our list and everything like that. But there's one sports book out there where you can bet. Any finishing position and ties count. You'll get paid the full amount, whereas at other sports books, you'll only get a fraction depending on how many they tie with. And that is at BetMGM. At, uh, new BetMGM customers can sign it today and get $158 in bonus bets. Just place your first wager of at least $5. 
and you'll receive $158 instantly in bonus bets, regardless of your first wager's outcome with bonus code EDGE158. That's EDGE158. Make sure to bet your finishing positions at BetMGM, and you can thank me later. All right, now let's get back to the finishing positions. Sorry there, producer Jake threw you a curveball. What else is new? All right, uh, Sia, we're going to start with you. You got a couple of top. You got a couple of top forties and a top thirty. You got some uh, plus money in there, which makes me happy. Let's hear what you got. Yeah, especially when I'm getting into the T30, T40 market, I, I try to do plus money sort of across the board. So if I give like four plays out and you hit two of them, you're, you're basically locking in some profit if they're all plus money to some degree. I got Keegan Bradley at T30. Listen, he's got this is minus 105. So it's it's borderline even money. It's at least close enough to even money. So the minus 105 doesn't bother me there. But T30 is very attainable for Keegan Bradley. I do think he's a pretty good course fit here. And we see that with his course history. And oh, by the way, his recent form has been very good too. So I think minus 105 is is a fine price for a guy that I honestly think at least has an outside shot to win this tournament. Michael Kim, T40. Patrick McDonald already spoke uh, about him. He's got the ties. He's got the course history, which back up the ties. Like sometimes you've got a guy who, who grew up in the area and they're just they're just not good on their home course. So they're, they're not good close to home for whatever reason. Well, Michael Kim certainly is. He's got good course history here. So I like him as a top 40 at plus 140. And then I'm going Joseph Bramlett, uh, top 40 plus 240. I mean, listen, this is a really good price. If you at plus 240, you're not necessarily putting a full unit, right? Like, I don't want to tell people how to bet, but like, this is the kind of thing where you can put like 0.35 units or whatever, 0.3 or 0.5, whatever you want to do. And at plus 240, you're getting quite the payout. So I think Joseph Bramlett has the game here. He's shown it in the past on this course. I do think, I don't think he's a superstar by any means, but I do think he's emerging. We might be talking about him a little bit more throughout this season. So Joseph Bramlett at T40, I will say this, I considered Emiliano Grillo at T thirty, which was plus two ten, or even T twenty, and I think that was at like plus three sixty. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't want to put that on here because I do think he's kind of speculative. I'm kind of operating on a trend here. I don't think it's the right play uh, for this market necessarily, but I do think if you like Grillo and you like him in the top forty, you're getting a really good price at plus two ten. All right, so C is doing top thirties and or a top thirty and two top forties. Well, I'm doing a top ten and two top twenties. So we're just going to combine it right there. Listen, I like Sahit Figala as a top ten at plus three twenty at MGM. Solo second at the Century. He's a T four here last year, gaining a little over uh, six and a half shots on approach. That's big time. Love to see when I when I'm picking my uh, you know uh, fantasy rankings and positions and whatnot. I'm looking at approach stats. That's a key, if a guy with their irons, if they're working, that's what I want to see. You're going to be up there. It's very rare that I can think of, maybe Patrick will correct me, that a guy, with when he's playing well with his irons, is going to finish way down there. I mean, if your putter's really that bad, but for the most part, if the irons are working, you're going to be up there. So I like Tagala as a t- uh, top 10 at plus 320. Tony Finau, I think uh, we've talked about him a lot. Uh, the counselors mentioned him as well uh, as a top 20 at plus 138 at MGM. He was uh, T25 at the Amex. Finally showed something with the putter, which had not been great. I think he had lost strokes in like six out of seven tournaments with the putter. Finally turned that around. That's a good start. But he's the horse for the course here. Nine trips here, five top 10s, seven top 20s. And also another horse for the course, Justin Rose, getting plus 200 for a top 20. Uh, He is uh, five top 20s in his last six appearances here including a win and four top tens. I mean, that is a sterling course history. And you're getting, you know, two to one odds on that. So I love that. Now, Patrick has the key word. We waited half an hour to finally get this in, the word parlay, which you know I love. Patrick, you have a make-the-cut parlay, and it's plus money, and it's beautiful. Tell us about it. (laughs) 
I've, I've been loving these EC. You got to keep it nice and tight, though. Can't overextend yourself and get into the four, five, six. Keep it three. Keep your plus money. Be uh, be patient and let your money accumulate over time. It's the S&P. But I like this one. Uh, horse for the course parlay. Tony Finau, you just spoke on him. Jason Day, great course history. He's gaining throughout the bag. The putter was just a little shoddy there at the Amex. Like I said, everyone puts bad here at Torrey Pines. If he ends up putting well, that's just a bonus. His tee to green game is in fine shape. And then Keegan Bradley, second place last year, actually led the field in strokes gained putting, uh, which is a bonus. And like Sia said, he's playing some great golf. I, I like him to seriously contend this week. So all three to make the cut at plus 137. Yeah, and you know what's great about your parlay there, Patrick, too, is if you hit it, you have money to bet on the weekend. And so there you go. You take that money and then you reinvest it in outrights on the weekend. So what you got. Exactly. I mean, patience. Maybe I need to learn from, you know, the, the counselor is an expert when it comes to being patient with his bets. Me, I'm an action. Like if there's action going on, I got to have something on there. So I like this. You're you're done on Thursday. You know, if you're going to make if you if you cash this, we're on to the next. We're going to take our money on Friday. We're going to bet some outrights. We're going to cash on Saturday. Then you have money to play the Sunday football games. This is all how it works. We're going to walk away with a lot of cash this week. I'll tell you why. Because it's time for some outrights. Now, I'll say this. I was all excited about giving my logic for outrights, and then you guys pretty much covered it earlier in the show. So, all right, let's see what we have for outrights. Patrick, I'll start with you. What do you have and why? Yeah, so I wrote my article for Sportsline this morning, uh, and if you were not able to read it, I am uncomfortable giving out those plays at some of the prices. felt like the top of the board just got absolutely cut in half uh, between like 11 a.m. and noon today. Uh, but one price I still like that actually wasn't in the article is Nikolai Hogard. Uh, he won the DP World Tour Championship over there in Dubai. He's coming off a seventh-place finish at the Dubai Desert Classic. He is really long off the tee. He is a great iron player, and he's a great putter. The short game and the accuracy off the tee can sometimes bite him in the butt, but 11th in total strokes gained in this field over the last half year, 7th in driving distance, top 20 approach, and putting. And like you said, you see, if the irons are cooking, you, you can really uh, do some damage. So I like him. He's a proven winner. He's super young, uh, but at 55-1, to 1, I'm worth, he's worth taking a flyer on. Now, give us a promo for your article that you cooked up earlier. I actually saw it, and you had a name in there. I know you didn't include him here, uh, Sepp Straka. I think that was a really interesting pick. I was hoping you would you would include him because I thought that was a really savvy one. Yeah, Sepp opened up at, uh, I believe it was 66-1. to 1. I got him at this morning, and now he's down to 40-45-1, which wow. I think is pretty, pretty tough to stomach in my opinion, but uh, I mean, he's just a guy who generally doesn't get enough respect. Like Sia said earlier, he knows how to win and he showed last year in major championships. He can play tough golf course as well. Top 10 at the PGA runner up at the open championship. Uh, just finished second to Scotty Scheffler at the hero world challenge, hit the ball great at the century. And he has a decent history here. So I, I like to step at 66, but not a, uh, not 40. Counselor, you might want to cover your eyes for for this one. When I say it, the way I like to play some of the outrights when a guy's price gets cut in half as the week goes along is the parlay strategy where you take, let's say your pick that you give out on the morning show tomorrow, if a, a basketball pick that's non-golf related, let's say. You parlay that pick with a golfer and you almost you more than double the odds there. It's a pretty safe bet. If C is giving out a pick, it's probably going to hit anyways, so you have a pretty <laughs> good chance. Now, listen, it doesn't work out if you, if you pick the wrong game. 
then it spirals into a nightmare. But if you find the right game and do it once, you're getting so you're getting you know Seb Straka at a hundred to one. Whereas if you were to bet him outright at at forty to one, I agree with Patrick. That's probably not the right price there. See, you have uh, three choices here. We've talked about all three of them, but tell us why you are playing them as outrights. Uh, what's What's funny about that comment you said? You said I think that's a pretty safe bet. As if those words aren't uh, like dichotomous to each other. Like there's no such thing as a safe bet, right? Guilty but you know charged. what's what's interesting about that is that. If if the like I mean I'm I'm just like now now you've got me thinking like let's say I like the Tar Heels tonight um, money line because they're minus eight against Wake Forest I mean I, I can throw that money line play in or the Sixers tonight minus one thousand money line with with the outright and at least get the 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 Straka odds from forty to one where I'm seeing it now at one book to you know whatever that would end up being forty five I I don't know what it would be because I've I've never done something like that but that's at least something to think about but. Listen, you're already extending yourself playing outrights anyway. We we all know that like the, the meat of the money in golf is in the head-to-head market, obviously. So um adding something on top of an outright doesn't make uh doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy. What does though is taking a couple of these guys that I think are going to be at the top of leaderboards for, for years to come, the next three, five, fifteen years potentially. I think Ludwig and Min Mu Lee are guys that so what's interesting is I think they can win this tournament, obviously. I have them as outrights. I think the Nikolai Hoygaard pick is really interesting. And, and as I go down the board, I think once you get to Hoygaard and once you get to like maybe Adrian Moronk, if you like him, I think that's as far as this board goes in terms of win equity. I just don't think this is a tournament like the American Express where you can have a guy, forget about Dunlap, where you can have a guy at like 80 to one. Like that's just not going to happen with this tournament. So I, I think Hoygaard is like sort of the last line of defense in terms of the win equity. But I'll say this, when you're Nikolai Hoygaard and, or you're Ludwig, Notice how I'm not just I'm not saying his last name or you're <laughs> Minwoo Lee and the top of the board is without John Rahm is without Scotty Scheffler. And na- let, let's name a couple of other players that like that, that aren't, you know, here. But we, we've always known that like Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, that they're not here. Of course, they're not going to be here. But like some of these guys that aren't here, like no offense to Xander Schauffele or Patrick Cantley. They're great. They're, they've got the most win equity for a good reason. But you know, Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, like there's not a lot of like elite guys for these newcomers to pass. And, and, and frankly, I don't know that we've seen quite yet like the apex of either of these two games. So I, that's why in this tournament, especially a tournament that doesn't have Rom or doesn't have Scotty Scheffler, it makes me more compelled to take a- Aberg and Minwoo Lee over like Xander at nine to one. Like, I'm just not going to take Xander at nine to one. I mean, I, Max Homa, as far as the shorter odds are concerned, I think Max Homa at 12 to one is probably the one I like the most. But I'd rather just go to the next tier that I still think has win equity. And it's these two guys, Ober and Minwoo Lee. And then finally, Keegan Bradley at 33 to one. I think that's a reasonable number. I'm not totally in love with it. But considering, like, listen, these numbers aren't very good. Let, let's just be real about, like, the hold percentages on these outrights. Like, w- a lot of this stuff has really gotten cut down. But I do think Keegan Bradley, the way he's been playing, kn- knowing the course fit and his course history, I think at 33-1, to 1, I actually do think that has a little bit of value. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's very good value for Bradley, especially he played well at the Sony. Probably should have won. Mm-hmm. And Grayson Murray at 400-1, to 1, that was not really on anyone's bingo card. Uh, so we we all lost that one. I'm telling you, the parlay strategy, call me crazy. When you see a number like Colin Morikawa is 12 to 1, do you really want to spend, you know, if you want to win $1,500, do you really want to put over $100 on Colin Morikawa? Or do you want to bet 50 and then put it with what C is whatever, you know, North Carolina or what it is, whatever basketball game. I'm just throwing, I'm throwing it out there. I mean, don't blame me if it loses. I'm just throwing it out. It's just a way, if you're trying to bet more players and spend less, 
if you're confident in, an, in a play from another sport. It's a thought. I like Morikawa here, plus 1,200. He was T4 at the U.S. Open in 2021. He was third here last year, gaining nearly seven shots on approach. His three most recent tournaments, first, seventh, and a T5 in Hawaii. I like that a lot. Minwoo Lee, uh, for all the reasons that the counselor just said, uh, T21 at the Amex, gained 5.7 strokes around the greens, which is interesting here at Torrey Pines. We haven't really talked about that thick rough. If you are not in the fairway, you have problems. You're not... You're good luck making par if you're not in the fairway. When you're around the greens and scrambling, pars are great on the south course. Patrick, I mean, would you agree with that? Especially here, making this is like a in a way, it's a U.S. Open setup, right? With the with the tall rough, making pars is a good thing. I mean, we'll leave. Not so bad, right? Yeah, I mean, some would even say it has op- it has hosted a U.S. Open too, actually. So I, I like where your head's at, EC. And I, I do like Sahith Thigala. You talked about him earlier in the show. That would be my, if I were to do a one and done, which actually I'm in a one and done pool, Thigala will be my choice. So I'm going to play a correlation here. And Patrick talked about it earlier in the show. He won the Fortinet uh, Championship in September. That was the last tournament that he played in California. The previous winner of the Fortinet Championship was one, you know, back to back in 21 and 22, or excuse me, 22 and 23, was Max Homa, who, by the way, won this tournament last year. Some guys just play well in certain states. I am going to play that angle. Now, this when I put this up for my fantasy article, he was 40 to 1 earlier, down to 33 to 1. You got to jump on these lines early. I, I mean, even I didn't see this line movement happening like this. Kind of crazy. Uh, so we will go, I guess, see how that plays out. Now, before we get to our uh, long shots, and there's some good ones in here. And yes, I have parlays. Let's hear from one of our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Now, I think Sia just talked about it as far as this week, maybe not going to be your uh, triple-digit odds like we have discussed the first three weeks. Good luck if you've hit one of those guys. I mean, you're going to have a great golf betting year. Me, not so much if all these triple digits come in. But it's time for the long shot section, and you never know. Sia, I'm going to start with you. Why do you like Emiliano Grillo? I look at that number and I, I kind of chuckle at, at 110 to one at this tournament. But listen, OK, so before I get there, I do want to address a couple things in the chat. One is Sean Ritchie's question. He says, maybe a dumb question, but if you think these people are outright winners, why not just bet them top 10? Min Lee top 10 is plus 230. I'm used to betting minus 115s. So, you know, what's wrong with the top 10 at plus 230? Nothing's wrong with that. You can absolutely bet that. And, and, that, and if, if you want to take our outrights. 
and maybe put a little bit like maybe just like 0.1 units on on the outright and you want to put like maybe the rest the 0.9 or 0.5 or whatever it is on, on a top 10 on the same player i think that's a perfectly fine strategy uh it's not something i do but certainly something i would consider the other thing i wanted to bring up real quick ec is something josh lucero brought up which was which is really important i think it's a good strategy and something i employed last year a lot and we talked about it on this show if you got a guy that's really short odds and you really like him, but you're just not willing to pay the the plus 900 or like, let's say in Scotty's case uh, last week, he was like plus 500, plus 550 in some markets, which was ridiculous for that tournament in particular. But the point is, Josh's point was, hey, maybe those guys stumble in round one and you can get them at a better price. So for those of you that are especially new to golf, like that is something you can do in the outright market. You can wait, get a little bit of information after round one, sometimes even after round two, and and you evaluate where that player is that you wanted to bet pre-flop. And you also evaluate who do they have to jump to get back on top. And a lot of times you'll get, let's say, Xander at, I don't know, 21 to one instead of nine to one. And he, he only has like one superior player. He's like maybe five, six strokes back. But a lot of the players in front of him are, are players that aren't very good, that probably aren't going to last the four rounds. So something to consider there. Listen, I'll keep it short and sweet. Grio at 110 to one. I, I consider him discount Keegan Bradley. I, I just think he's... He's the lesser version of Keegan Bradley. And when Emiliano Grillo is on with the ball striking, and when he's on with the putter, and he has found the putter a little bit as of late, and, and if the round of green game isn't terrible, and again, that stat to me can be very finicky, um, I think he has all the ingredients to be like the surprise player at the top of the leaderboard. So Grillo for me at 110 to 1, I think is, is going to be my lone long shot. Now, Patrick, you're going with Michael Kim because you're playing that local Tory Pines angle, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we talk about course history, but you got to know the area as well. There's a lot of distractions out there in San Diego. You got PB Shore Club, you got Mavericks, a lot of Red Bull vodkas flowing. And I mean, Michael Kim, he probably had his fun when he was 21, 22, but he's Mm -hmm. a 30 year old man now. He has his eyes on the prize, 125 to one. He's played some tougher golf courses as well last year, top 10 at Wells Fargo. Think about some correlation there. Max Homa is an easy one uh, to point out. And so I I like what he's doing with his game. Like I said earlier, he's going to have to drive the golf ball very well for Michael Kim in order for him to contend. But if he does, the rest of his game is is there. And just to piggyback on Sia's live betting note, personally, I love to do it after round two because the way the PGA Tour sets up the golf course on Saturday, it's meant for fireworks, easier pins. And if you get a guy in softer conditions and at a place like Torrey Pines where the greens do get crusty towards the end of the day and the leaders do not play in the same conditions as those who go out early, it, it does present a great opportunity. That's a great that. point. And that's a great way to look at it. A lot of people will just set their bets beforehand and forget about it and, you know, come back on Sunday and see if they've won. But very interesting that there are plenty of opportunities, especially here, Patrick, with, uh, you know, you see how they do on the North course and players that will play well on the South course are you more likely to bet them for the weekend if you see them go, you know, three or four under on the south and it, regardless of what they did on the north? It certainly helps, right? And I believe the south is the only one with strokes gain data this mm-hmm. week. I don't think the north That's has right. any. So uh, th- there's a little bit of a feel involved into it as well. When it comes to my long shots, well, I'm, I'm not savvy enough to pick triple digits here, but I'm going to pick parlays. Uh, and you can find these at DK, and these are pre-made parlays, and they count ties as well. Top 10 parlay at plus, at plus 800, Colin Morikawa and Min Woo Lee. Top 20 parlay at plus 1,000, Ludwig Sungjae Im, who we didn't talk about, has a fourth and a sixth here in the last two years, and Finau, who's a horse for the course, 
and you're getting 10 to 1 on that one. And a top finish parlay at 35 to 1. This one, just gently sprinkle. Uh, Colin Morikawa, T5, Minwoo Lee, T10, and Finau, T20. Can take a shot. You know, made a little bit of money on these uh, last year. Uh, not saying we're going to hit them every week, but every now and then, if we hit a couple, you know, you hit one, that pays for uh, a month's worth. So I feel pretty good about that. But I would definitely not use uh, a full unit, a full unit of, uh, of betting uh, on any of these. All right, before we go, guys, I want to ask you about cash outs in the middle of a of a tournament. Um, for example, I had JT Poston uh, last week in uh, at the Amex, and I was getting you know I don't know eight to one on my bet after Friday. And I didn't cash out, and obviously, you know, Dunlap ran away, and Sam Burns was ahead, and everything like that. See, your thoughts on cashing out a golfer halfway through the tournament after three rounds? Are you fully against it, or do you ever consider it? I'm pretty much fully against it, unless it's a long shot and I've got a decent amount of money coming back. Because I do think it's a case-by-case basis with respect to, first of all, what your risk tolerance is. Because some people might just be perfectly content getting 8-1 to on their money, regardless of how much they put out. But I mean, you know, you're betting the outright for a reason. Like a lot of a lot of times, instead of operating on on the cash out, th- there's a couple different scenarios. You could have a guy that's at the top of the leaderboard, and there's like six guys that are in the mix. Or you could have a guy that's at the top of the leaderboard, and there's like two guys that are in the mix. Realistically, that can overtake him or that can win the tournament. In which case, y- you could. And I do this a lot, where I'll pick one of the guys and I'll just hedge my bet to some degree. So I mean that, that that doesn't I mean it's not the same as a cash out, but you are hedging to some degree, but it's not the degree to it's not the degree by which you'd be cashing out. In other words, your hedge, whatever you're losing on the hedge isn't as much as whatever the cash out would be. Like you'd still be getting more by not cashing out. So generally speaking, I, I don't cash out. I will try to hedge the other way because the beauty of golf and the reason I got into golf betting like 15 years ago was because of betting live betting outrights. Like I didn't even know that was something you could do in golf. And all of a sudden I was hitting live outrights and, and it wasn't necessarily live on a Sunday afternoon. Like when I first got introduced to it, it was like after – a day one of golf. And I I would bet Thursday night on a guy that I thought was at the top of the leaderboard and could stay there. But because of the live outright betting, like that's why the the cash out option isn't something that that I ever engage in. I usually just go with maybe hedging it with another guy that could potentially win. Patrick, what's your strategy there? I'm the same way. And the hedge price has to be like, correct. I'm I'm just not hedging it just to hedge and make back money. Uh, The price has to be fair on the other end but i mean there's there's like no better feeling than hitting a golf outright and just like a man there's a guy who cashed out nick dunlap last week i mean how big of a dummy do you think he felt today it sucks so let it ride and enjoy the fun yeah i think i cashed out one or two a little early and it's the worst feeling because as you said when you hit an outright it just feels so good you feel so much pride and when you cash it out oh no now, there's certain guys that we talked about earlier in the show. You just you can't bet anymore you, they, they, until they as I said, I think last year we talked about it. Xander Shoffley, like or Morikawa after he blew the, the century last year. I said, I can't bet him until he wins again. He's won again. Now, that's why I can bet him. Sam Burns. Well, we'll talk about that another week. I want to ask you guys about one more player before we get going here. Will Zalatoris. Patrick, uh, he's playing for the third straight week. He has great, you know, pretty good course history here. Finished second here, lost in the playoff to Luke List a couple of years ago. With that back, are you staying away, or would you would you consider a sprinkle somewhere along the line on Zell? Uh, I, I'm much more 
pessimistic about Zalatoris than most, I think. I don't like back injuries for golfers. And you combine a back injury with a pretty drastic swing change, which I don't believe many people will notice. And there's going to be a lot of short-term volatility and hopefully a long-term gain. But I'm, I'm kind of pessimistic on both, honestly. Uh, so I'm staying away from Zalatoris. Sia, is there a player this week that from a live betting opportunity that we have not discussed today that you're just keeping an eye on where if things start to break the right way, you might look to get in on the weekend? That's a good question. By the way, as far as Zalatoris is concerned, the, the one issue, I mean, I like the fact that he's playing three tournaments in a row. Uh, what I don't like is how he's done. Like, listen, he he made the cut. He was he was good, pretty good last week. But he's been pretty bad off the tee since he's been back, or at least the last three tournaments he's been bad off the tee. He's been bad with the putter as well. I don't necessarily, like, if those trends stay anywhere close to that, probably not the tournament for him to, like, really be successful at. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Maybe somebody, you know, at, at the top of the board, like, again, to Josh Lucero's point earlier, like, I'm looking for somebody to maybe fall uh, early and then that I can catch them at a, at a much better price. But as I scroll down the board here, I will say this, you know, Keith Mitchell was really good last week. His record at, at, the, at Torrey Pines is really, really bad. But if Keith Mitchell is at least decent on day one or day two, or maybe a little bit above average, above expectation, I think he's a guy from a course fit standpoint. I think he's great. So I, I think maybe Based on last week, maybe he's turned it around a little bit because he hasn't been good for quite some time. Guys like Keith Mitchell, guys like Taylor Pendrith, who I think are really good course fits, but just haven't put the game together. If the leaderboard at the top after day one, or, or to Patrick's point, after day two, is not littered with the Patrick Cantlays and the Colin Morikawas of the world, if it's just kind of a ho-hum leaderboard at the top, and, and Keith Mitchell or guys like Taylor Pendrith are doing pretty well and they're lurking four, five, six shots back in, in, in T30 or T35th, those would be guys I'd be taking a look at. Okay, maybe their game is back. They're a good course fit, and they can really flash for a couple of rounds, maybe take advantage of the par fives. You know, one guy that we ne- we didn't talk about the entire show is Xander Shoffley, who's the betting favorite at 9-1, to one, and he's a San Diego native, really wants to win this tournament. He's going to win sometime soon. The game looks great. Played very well uh, at the Century, played very well uh, at the Amex. Watch out for Xander Shoffley. That's a, a guy that if you get a, a few strokes back, and there is history here. I think Max Homo was, was down deep going into the last round last year and came back from a, a deficit. Watch out for Xander Shoffley. If you can get a, get a price in double digits there, maybe after round two, I would I would take a look. But, you know, I, one, one last thing I want to point out. Patrick said he was a scratch golfer. Producer Jake is pretty close. We might need to have like a, a an early wedge golf tournament. Sia and Patrick against Jake and me. And, and you I'm know, terrible. Some, well, that's just, I'm not that great either. But, you okay, know, gotcha, we can put, brother. Yeah, it's a scramble. We can so we'll see how that plays out. But guys, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for the first week of the early wedge. So we'll be back uh, next week, probably I guess either Monday night or Tuesday night. Stay tuned to the Sportsline YouTube page to find out more. Plus, the counselor will will announce it uh, live on the early edge, 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, closer to next week. We'll find that out for the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. So for Patrick McDonald, the counselor, seeing Ajad. I am EC. Thanks for watching. And as always, let's hit it big. Good luck. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. 
How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.